Hello and welcome back to the Higher Cause Podcast. I am super excited for today's segment, Truth of the Week number two. And this week, I want to talk about needs. Uh, you know, it's something that, you know, everybody has, right? Everybody has needs, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, uh, whether it's emotional, or even spiritual. Everyone has needs that need, that, you know, have to be met, that need to be met. And so as I as I was stud- doing some studying, I actually came across this passage last year. Uh, I went through some pretty tough things uh, for in, in my life. I was in a car accident uh, that, you know, I think I got a concussion on a total of my car. And then my great-grandfather passed away. Uh, and then as well as I lost one of my close friends uh, in, in a tragic accident. So there's a lot of things that have happened. Um, and then even I, I lost another friend just that decided I, he was done with church, done with Christianity, just completely off the map. And so all those things kind of piled up. And as I, you know, sat and and thought about, you know, it, it's easy, you know, when you're going through things to sit and feel bad for yourself, to sit and, and, and just kind of wallow in it. But as I was doing some studying, I said, okay, God, you know, I was actually preparing. I was, I preached my great grandfather's funeral and I was preparing and I said, God, I don't feel like I am in a place where I can even preach right now. I feel like I, I just, I'm not where I need to be. And in reality, you know, I had, I had needs that need, that had to be met and I wasn't, they weren't being met by the one who is the ultimate need meter, uh, so to speak. And so as I was doing some study and I came across Mark chapter five. And so, you know, as I read Mark, you think, okay, well, Mark, the gospel of action, he's not going to take a lot of time on anything. He's just going to kind of give you a flyover. So that's why it kind of took me off guard when he spends so much time talking about this woman. And so as I read about this woman, I'm reading down through and I'm thinking, wow, this lady went through a lot of things, but it really wasn't just the lady. I noticed that there was three things, three different aspects that I saw of people that had needs. And when it boiled down to it, I realized that honestly, I had needs that, that weren't being met by Jesus. And I hadn't really casted all my care upon him. I really had just casted some of it. It wasn't, I hadn't went to him, you know, and given him everything. I've, I'd kind of re- kept some for reserve. And so as we read today, this story, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of, of the, one of these three individuals, right? There's three individuals I see in this story that really stick out to me. And so let's go ahead and read starting in verse 21. It says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Let me just stop and say like that. Number one, if you're a ruler of the synagogue and you're in that position of power, it's kind of, you don't kneel for people, right? You don't, you don't, um, you don't often allow yourself to be put in that, that humbling position. Uh, but Jarius's need that he had was so dire that he knew I have to humble myself before, uh, before Jesus, the one who can work miracles. Uh, verse 23 says, and besought him greatly saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, and she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with them, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians, and had spent all she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. And when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway, there's that word Mark loves using, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. 
And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee? And thou sayest, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Well, while he yet spake, there came from him a ruler of the synagogue's house, a certain, uh, which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest the master any further? And as soon as Jesus had heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Uh, let's skip down to verse 39. So Jesus comes into the house, right? He sees, you know, every, everybody weeping and they're mourning over this, over this little girl that has passed away. And he says, why make ye this ado and weep? Verse 39, And the damsel, the damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. Now, verse, verse 41, And he took the damsel by the hand and said, Talitha kumai, which is to be an interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose, there's that word again, and walked, and she, for she was at the age of twelve years. And were, they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded them, uh, that something should be giving her to eat. I think this is one of honestly my favorite stories in the Bible. And as I read, the more I read it, the more I just I fall in love with it. You know, because there's so many aspects, so many angles uh, that you can explore. That you know, Jesus did so much in this passage. And I think, really diving into it, I, th I see three separate needs, three individuals who had needs, uh, and honestly, some of them were met. Uh, and they looked a little bit different, but again, some of them weren't. So number one, I see Jairus, right? In verse 22 and 23, he comes before Jesus, right? He lays, he, he humbles himself uh, before Jesus, you know, and he's got a, he's got a need. His need, I, I though, though I think is, is more current, right? It's something that, that needs to be met right here, right now. Uh, obviously his daughter is sick and she's, she's very sick. And she's at the point of death. And I'm not saying at all that the other's needs that I'm going to mention aren't current. But this one I see is very current, right? It's happening at, in the moment. And, you know, in our lives, we're going to run into the current need. Okay, whether that's, you know, whether you have a test that's that you need to study for and you weren't able to study because you weren't feeling well or whatever. You have a, a need that's, that's very current. Or even financially, right? You, you have an unexpected bill and all of a sudden it's there in front of you on the desk. And there's a need there. There's something that has to be met. And it's current, right? It's right in front of you. Number two, I see the multitude. The multitude thronging Jesus. You know, I think what's interesting, if you look at the lady, we have here the woman with the issue of blood. She touched Jesus. But it says the multitude thronged Jesus, which really means a violent grab. They were, they were grabbing him. They were holding him. They were uh, right up against him. And so I guess the question would be, why were the multitude not healed and why was the woman healed? Well, we'll get into that. Uh, but I think it's interesting that there was a multitude of needs out there. You know, even though the, the multitude had a multitude of needs, right? We don't really know all. There could have been people with broken legs, uh, broken elbows. They could be, they could have, um, you know, they could have an issue of blood. They could have a loved one dying. But see, their, their main thrust was, I want to get to Jesus because he's famous, right? I want to get to Jesus because 
you know, I want to be able to tell, you know, put it on my Instagram story, my Snapchat story. Well, no, that's <laughs> that's probably the reason why they weren't healed. People were more concerned about the popularity of Jesus than actually his healing power and, and his mission that he, why, of why he was there on earth. And so the multitude had an assortment assortment of needs. But really, the main point I want to make today is, is about the woman. The woman with the issue of blood. And see, this woman had a persistent need. Her need was that she had an issue of blood. We don't know exactly. You know, different commentators have speculated as to what this need and what this, this disease was that she had. Uh, so I'm not going to personally speculate on it other than just taking what the scripture says. She had an issue uh, of, uh, in her blood. And it was something that was painful. It was something that she'd spent a lot of money, a lot of time chasing after to try to be healed from it. Yet, uh, the Bible tells us that nothing was better, but rather it grew worse. So the more she tried, the more she got worse. And she was out of money, right? She'd spent all she had. And I, I do think it's interesting, you know, that the, you know, the same thing could be applied in, in our life. And I, and I think Matthew Henry said it well. I was reading his commentary about on this passage, and he said, It is usual with people not to apply themselves to Christ till they have tried in vain all other helpers and find them, as they certainly will, physicians of no value. And he will be found a sure refuge, speaking of Christ, even to those who make him their last refuge. And isn't that interesting that, you know, a lot of times in our lives, Jesus becomes that kind of that back burner, right? When we're struggling and when we're down in the dumps and when we're, we're literally at rock bottom, then we seek Jesus as if he wasn't there with us the entire time. And I think the well, lesson we could leave and learn from this woman is those needs, those things you've been struggling with for a long time, and whether it's alcohol, pornography, um, media addiction, you know, whether it, it, it's, it might be a health issue, but Jesus becomes our last refuge even though he, he should be our first. You know, I think it's just interesting that we, a lot of times as Christians, we use Jesus as our last refuge. You know, if the woman, when she heard of Jesus, if we were more like the woman, you know, when she heard of Jesus, you know, I can just imagine, my, my imagination goes wild when I read when I read the Bible. I don't know if y'all are like me. Uh, but when I read, I, I can see her sitting in the, the medical office, the doctor's office, and I see the doctor coming out with his clipboard, and he says, ma'am, I, she, her name was probably Mary, I'm, I'm sure, because everybody's, every lady in the Bible's name is Mary. I could just see her saying, Mary, you, you have this, this issue, and uh, I'm sorry, but there's nothing we can do for you. And I could just see her kind of breaking down and crying there and being upset, and then I could just see the doctor saying, but there's one person that could help you. I, you know, I don't, it's a long shot, but there's a guy named Jesus, and he's going around, he's healing people. And if you can get to him, it's a long shot, but if you can get to him, then, you know, by all means, you go for it. He, he, he might be able to heal you. And that's all she needed, that, that hope, right? The Bible does paint a very good picture for us. She's working her way through the crowd, and, and, you know, she was unclean, right? So she was, people were probably disgusted by her, and, you know, she she didn't have, I'm guessing she didn't have many friends, she finally gets to the to Jesus and she touches him and I'm sure people were appalled at what are you doing touching the master you know and then Jesus says something really funny and, and I again when I read the Bible I I get a kind of a kind of comedian you know I think the Bible has a lot of, of really funny moments such as like when Lazarus was when he was dead and he, he was like well you know Jesus was like well Lazarus just is sleeping you know he, we're, we're doing this all for the glory of God and the disciples are like oh I don't, I don't understand and finally Jesus is like 
Lazarus is dead. He just plain out there put put it. You know. And so I, again, when I read that, I, I I chuckle a little bit. So when I read this, I I see that, that he says, "Who touched me?" Disciples are like, uh, "What are you talking about? There's a ton of people around you. What do you mean?" And Jesus is like, "Okay, I know somebody touched me." He's like, oh, "Everyone's touching you." And then of course he has that moment with the with the um, with the lady there with the issue of blood, where you know, daughter, be, you know, be made whole of that plague. That faith is made thee whole. And so it's it's just an it's just great, you know, as I read it and I I see Jesus even interaction with others. But I think the the ultimate application, right? She spent all she had. She tried to to get better. She had a persistent need. Uh, obviously, Jarius had a current need, something that was right in the moment. Those things that kind of plague us, and then the multitude had an assortment of needs. So, kind of going back to the multitude, they chose not to get to Jesus. So, getting to Jesus is ultimately that's the goal, right? Jarius had to get to Jesus, right? He knelt before Jesus, he humbled himself. Uh, the woman, she got to Jesus and she touched Jesus. The idea of getting to Jesus is, I think, the principle we need to find from this this passage. And honestly you can get to Jesus. You can go to church. You can you can do a good Christian life and not actually be getting to Jesus. You can look like a good Christian on the outside, but on the inside be rotten. And I think that's even the multitude, right? Because just a little time after, this multitude would be crying out, crucify him, crucify him. And I can only imagine when, when the woman with the issue of blood heard about Jesus' crucifixion, I honestly doubt she was there that day. I doubt she was crying, crucify him. And so... I think it's interesting just to point out the multitude and, and their assortment of needs and how they they were so easily turned against Jesus, right? They looked they looked like good people. They were saying Hosanna. They were saying all the right things, but they really weren't they weren't really getting to Jesus. So what does getting to Jesus look like? I think in Matthew eleven, twenty eight through thirty, it gives us a beautiful picture where Jesus says the words, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. And ye shall find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think, number one, we see the invitation to nearness. So not only does does Jesus want us to be near, he actually invites us to be near. He says, come unto me, right? This is the idea of what it looks like to get to Jesus. It's saying, Jesus is saying, come. I'm All you have to do is come. So he gives us, first of all, the invitation to nearness. You know, about the Bible says, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you, right? There's, again, another invitation. Come, come unto me. See, Jesus was approachable, right? We know that because there was always people around him, right? Suffer not the little children to come unto me. He wanted people to come to him. He was approachable. He wants us to be near. So he, he gives us the invitation of nearness. Number two, I think the reward of nearness. So once we do get to Jesus, what do we get out of it? And I think... We all know the answer to it, but I think it's Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. There's a perfect verse right there. Supply all your need. It doesn't say some. It says all. And he, he said, my God. And honestly, when Paul wrote that, he was saying, my God. He, he had a personal relationship. That just tells us Paul knew his God. He says, my God. He made it personal. Shall supply all of your need. Do you know why Paul could say that? Because Paul knew what it was like to have his needs supplied. Paul didn't, Paul didn't say, but God shall supply all your need. I think the word my is really important. He's saying, my God, the one I've seen work before, can do the same in your life. And I think that's important that when God works in our life, we need to be sharing it with others. Because your God, my God, can, can supply your need. 
I think number three, the practicality of nearness. Again, it's practical, right? It's not any, some people look at this as mystic and hard to follow and, um, you know, they get frustrated. What is, you know, getting to God? And you hear, you hear preachers say, get to Jesus, just get to Jesus. And you're like, what does that even mean? You know, I don't understand. It's very practical. In James 4, again, it says, draw nigh unto me. Draw, okay, what is, what is drawing nigh? Well, I think Psalm 63, in fact, the whole book of Psalms really shows us the practicality of getting to Jesus. We see a man, we get a, di- a deep dive into a man's life who was, who knew what it was like to seek after God. He knew what it was like to have failure. He knew what it was like to have needs, but he also knew what it was like to get to Jesus. In Psalm 63, which has become one of my favorite Psalms, it says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in thy sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. And it goes on, it's just a beautiful psalm, but for sake of time, that's all I'll read of it. But, you know, he, he makes that, again, personal connection with God. O God, thou art my God. And then he shows us, he shows us what his his getting to Jesus looked like. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. You know, I think if we would seek Jesus, and if we would try to get to Jesus like he was water in a desert, then I think our perspective of getting to Jesus would change a little bit. You know, Jesus is the light of the world in in a world of darkness right we're we're faced with so much darkness in this world and and as you turn on the news you see darkness you know you you go to you go to the store you see darkness jesus is the light of the world and you know i and i know men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil i understand that but there's something about darkness and there's something about turning on the light you know when i was a kid and you know I, i had a fear of the dark when I was a little kid. And so I slept with a nightlight. And I remember when that nightlight would go out, I was scared. I was scared about the monster in the closet, right? But there's something about that light, even this little light, shed on a whole entire room, can completely change your perspective on everything around. No longer are you fearful. And I think the same applies with with Jesus as the light of the world and Jesus as the water in the you know, water in the desert. You know, if we were truly seek Jesus our perspective would change, yes, but we would know the heart of Jesus, and we would honestly, we'd get to him. And I think the word early is also important. You know, I think the Bible does say all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So we know that it's it's always profitable, right? So if the Bible says, early will I seek thee, and the psalmist is saying, early I'm going to get up, I'm going to rise early, that word is sahar. Uh, it's a Hebrew word, sahar, and it means to, to rise up uh, with great intent uh, to do something. So obviously the great intent to do something is seeking God. And I think it's important the early the getting up early to seek after God. You know, we get up we do a lot of things. We get up early for a lot of things. We um, we we will get up early to go on trips. Up early to go to work, right? Because we know we'll get fired if we if we don't show up to work on time. But how often do we get up every morning with an expectancy and a readiness to seek after God, because like He's, like He's water in a desert, you know. And that that expression, water in a desert, I think is interesting because it's you know the only thing that's going to satisfy your thirst is that water, and the only thing that's going to satisfy you and in, in your needs in life is going to be Jesus, getting to Jesus, and then saying, God, you're my God. 
I'm going to seek you with everything I have in me. And then it goes on to say, to see thy power in thy glory, so as I have seen thee in thy sanctuary. And pretty much what the psalmist is saying is, I've already seen you work. I've already seen you come through. You can do it again. I'm trusting you. And it's just a full reliance on Jesus. And speaking of a desert, I think it's interesting in Acts chapter 8, we are approached with the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And God drops off Philip in a, in a desert, desert area. And I think it's interesting, you know, he tells Philip, he said, go, I want you to go. And Philip not only goes, but he runs. He does exactly what God tells, tells him to. And I think the, the principle there, you know, and uh, he ends up, okay, I'll just finish the story. He ends up going to the Ethiopian eunuch. He's actually, he's reading a, a portion of scripture from Isaiah. He's able to actually give the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. He gets saved and then he gets baptized in Acts chapter 8. It's a beautiful story. And then all of a sudden, God, he takes Philip and he puts him in the middle of a city. And then Philip goes on about his work. Here he witnesses to the Ethiopian eunuch and the Ethiopian eunuch gets saved. Amazing story, right? But imagine if Philip would have got to the desert and he would have said, God, why did you put me here? You got to be kidding me. This stinks. Come on. God could have easily said, okay, you're done. Go on. Go back to whatever you were doing. Number one, his ministry wouldn't be effective, but God would have, that, that gospel outreach, the gospel wouldn't have gotten to that Ethiopian eunuch, which then led to even a farther a gospel outreach that we know from history. It just, it wouldn't have happened if God, or if Philip, excuse me, Philip wouldn't have obeyed the voice of God and, and listened and then did it. So I think the principle, again, we get from that is going to the desert is that sometimes God has to take us to a desert in order to get us where we need to be used by him. I'll say that again. Sometimes God has to take us to a desert in order to get us where we need to be in order to be used by him. So don't get discouraged. You know, it's easy to get discouraged. You have needs that need to be met, right? All kinds of needs, whatever they are, emotional, physical. You know, some some of you might be out there saying, you know, my dad was wasn't a good guy and he didn't give me the love I deserved. Or my mom, she, she treated me wrong and I, I, I just, you know, I have these needs that need to be met. Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is a heavenly father. He's a father to the fatherless, right? He's there for you and he wants to meet your needs. All you got to do is come. You say, okay, okay, how, how do I... How do I come to Jesus? I don't understand. How about you just seek him? Well, okay, I understand. I understand I need to seek him, but how do you how do I seek him? Early. Okay. You're not making sense. Okay, let me break it down to you. Tomorrow morning, get up early. Kneel down beside your bed. And if you can't kneel, just sit in your bed and say, God, I need you today. I need you more than I've ever needed you before. And I feel I have these needs that need to be met. You know what they are. And, you know, honestly, if I were you guys, I'd get specific with it. Tell God what you need, and he will answer. Call unto me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you don't know. It's a very powerful verse. It's something that on another podcast, I'll probably go over that verse because it's something that personally in my life and my family's life has been a huge verse to lean on with some things we've went through, some tragedy and different things, and and just miracles. So let me ask you, you know, is your need persistent? Is it current? Or are you just like the multitude? 
So you know, you know how we know that Jesus could have healed the multitude? Because he says in, in the next chapter, in verse 56, uh, Mark 6, 56, he says, And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or countries, they laid the sick upon the streets and besought him that they might touch. They might touch him. If they could just touch the border of his garment, it says. And then it says, As many as touched him were made whole. And I'm here to tell you, if you touch Jesus, obviously we can't physically, but if you decide, God, I'm going to seek you, early will I seek you, my flesh is going to long for you, in a dry, like a dry and thirsty land where no water is, then you will be made whole. That's the truth I have for you today. It's something that's been, in my life, really powerful. When I went through my, grand, my great-grandfather, you know, as, as I sat there before the funeral, I couldn't help but weep. Because I knew that, yes, I had needs and I had a deep emotional wounds. But he was right there. No matter what I went through, no matter what I was, I had experienced in the past, he was there to forgive. He was there with me all throughout the way. Because his love was stronger. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. I hope this truth is a blessing to you. And I hope it's something that you can use even in your life. Early will I seek thee. That's the goal. It's seeking God in a desert, right? When you don't feel like you can. And sometimes I understand you're going to feel like, I can't seek God. I don't know what to say. So don't say anything. Get into his word. Just sit there with him. He's there. He has his arm around you. He wants to heal you. And so I hope this truth is a help to you. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next podcast coming out. It should come out next week. I'm super excited for everything we got planned. Uh, not this week, but next week, I'll come out with another Truth of the Week. Hopefully, Lord willing, Alex will be bringing uh, that to you. And I know he's got a, a fresh burden for you guys. And so thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, uh, please reach out uh, the, at, and email me uh, at highercausepodcast at gmail.com. I'm more than willing to, to listen to you. And if you if you have a, uh, a story of healing, you know, if you've been hurt in your life, and, and honestly, you're on the recovery end, and you have a principle, things that have helped you through that, feel free to share it. I would love to have you on uh, and to listen to it and to listen to your story and not only me listen, but others listen to your story and get it out there. So feel free to email me uh, and just thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. God bless.